What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, guys? Dragon Nation News Podcast. My name is Solomon Ali at Red Nation Hoops on Twitter. Here, joined by the newest edition of RedNationHoops.com, Mr. Forrest Walker at DoNots on Twitter. Good to have you on, Forrest. How you doing? Hey, it's good to be here. Also joined by the infamous Taylor Pate at Taylor L Pate on Twitter. How you doing, Taylor? Hey, hey, hey! I'm doing great. So before we get started, we have some announcements. The Red Age News Podcast is now going to be a part of the Almighty Bond Podcast Network. So what's going to change? Uh, not much, honest. It's still the same show. It's still the same people, same website, RedAgeNews.com. If anything, the podcast is going to get better. Uh, we're going to have access to more unique guests from around the NBA. And this podcast will now have advertising. So it's basically similar to like the Lockdown Podcast Network, because I know uh, a lot of you guys listen to Lockdown Rockets, which is also a very good podcast. It's going to be similar to that. There's going to be a podcast for every NBA team, and we're going to be the Rockets affiliate for Almighty Ballin'. Um, so I guess the best place to start for this podcast is we have action on the Demo situation. Like Demo got a contract from the Nets, four years, $34 million. And honestly, like for me, like as soon as I saw this, like I was like, of course they did. Cause the Nets made so much sense for Demo. Like it made it was like a no lose situation for the Nets because the Nets are in a situation where they have to make these type of type of risks, right? And this is kind of one of those teams we thought Demo would get an offer from them or the Miami Heat because the Nets don't have their picks and <laughs> they need to get better some way, form, or fashion. And nobody wants to go to Brooklyn right now, so the best way to do that is to is to gamble on restricted free agents. And so they took a shot at I think Alan Crabb. They 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 have um. They took a stab at a bunch of restricted free agents, and I think they got better over the the off season. Kenny Atkins is seems to be the new the new Brad Stevens of the NBA, and I, I just think this is a really smart move for Dent for Brooklyn because they made that. I thought they would make this offer in the summer, and they did it right after the deadline where Demo can't be traded by the Rockets if he signs with them. So the Rockets are now less likely to sign him because of that reason. So uh, initial reaction to this contract, guys. Um, it's. A complicated contract. Uh, the details that have come out of it are extremely weird. <laughs> so that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I, I read through um, through David Wiener's um, uh, breakdown of, of what he expects the contract to be. Um, <clears throat> and man, there's just so many loopholes in this thing. Um, you know, it seems like, um, you know, the, the base salary is actually going to be a little bit lower than we expected. And there's supposed to be like 6 million in, um, in uh, incentives. And it's like, I think the base salary is 31. And the, after the 6 million in incentives, um, it's, you know, it's four years, 37, but um, 
you know, two million of that is unlikely incentives. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I feel like especially with uh, with the way that our power forward and, and center rotation is right now, um, you know, Demo coming in, he may not be able to reach some of those even likely ones. Um, so, you know, it actually could could hurt the Rockets less than we even thought it might uh, to, to match. Yeah, and the the biggest situation for the Rockets right now is I think they're twenty fourth in the league in payroll, and that's because every every team in their you know went out of their mind this off season and just spent all their money, and um so the Rockets they were kind of shrewd but not really in spending their contracts this summer in the way that they didn't use all their payroll, so they they're ten million dollars under they can still spend ten million dollars basically, and so. If they match this contract, they're going to be right up there next to the, you know, basically the where they can't spend any more money. And so the, the tricky thing for the Rockets going forward is they can't trade Demo uh, this summer without his consent. Uh, and they can't cut him uh, because that contract is guaranteed. So th- the real thing is, like, do you think the Rockets are going to get free agents this summer? Because that's the kind of the decision-making that Maury has to make. Like, do you think you can get a commitment from a max guy this summer? Because if you do, you don't max this contract. And if you don't think you, if you think this summer is kind of a lost cause, then why not match this contract? But then again, like, the Rockets are in a situation where they, with James Harden, where they only signed a two-year extension. So, I mean, like that third, they had, this was a three year extension, but that third year is non guaranteed and Harden's likely to opt out of it. So getting stars around Harden is going to be a priority for the Rockets. And we know Maury, he's big on flexibility. So, but the, the thing with this contract is this, the sec, the second two years are non guaranteed. Uh, but again, the big thing holding the Rockets back is it's front loaded. So there's going to be more money spent on the, on the front end of this contract. I, I think this is kind of a, un, like a really smart way to structure this contract for the Nets because like they covered their ass in making sure the second, the last two years are non-guaranteed and it makes it even, they know very well what kind of situation the Rockets are in and they made it much more difficult for Maury to match and the Rockets can't basically can't trade him because he has a pseudo no trade clause this summer, uh, because they ma- they missed the deadline to sign him. And so I think leverage is in Demo is back in Demo's camp because of the way this contract is structured. Would you guys agree with that? Uh, I think the leverage to get to the Nets is on, on in his side, I guess, if he wants to be there. Uh, I actually think they'll probably match it for what it's worth. Uh, it's because it's a pretty value. It's, it's not super high. It's two years. And uh, the thing that people have not talked about that I think is very likely is that you sign Modiunas, uh and you have him as an option of power forward. And then you can move some of the other guys who have shown a lot of promise for uh, for assets. Like keeping him and then moving someone else is the way to maximize total amount of assets. And if there's anything Daryl Morey does, it's uh, try to maximize total number of assets. Yeah, and I think they can even um, they can even stretch the second year if they did for whatever reason um, decide to you know to part ways. Uh, and they would you know they could get that down to maybe two or three million a year. Um, if they absolutely had to, um, that after seeing that 6 million of it is, uh, is in incentives that I initially didn't think they would match. Um, but I think that, you know, with that much of, of the contract being incentives, um, you know, it, it certainly, it certainly seems like they should match at this point. Um, just based on value alone. Yeah. And, and for me, like, I don't think there's any, 
absolute right or wrong answer here because it, it really depends on what the Rockets want. If they want flexibility, they don't match this contract. If they if they want Demo on the roster, and because the that contract is very cap friendly under any normal normal circumstances, but the Rockets aren't in normal circumstances, obviously, um, th- then they would match that contract because Demo. Let's get this out of the way. Demo. The Rockets are a much better team with Demo on the floor, and I don't think there's a case to be made otherwise because I think uh, having Demo just gives you so many things to work with. He's a good post player, he's a very good passer, uh, and he's a good three-point shooter. And I think having him in Mike D'Antoni's offense, I think he, he can do so many things with him. Um, the problem is, like, I, where are the minutes going to go, right? Who's who's Demo going to take minutes away from? And the initial thought that comes to comes to mind is probably uh, Nene, right? Because I think I think you guys would agree that Nene is probably the third big off the bench, and having him having Demo take away some of Nene's minutes is probably a benef- benefit for the Rockets because Nene's been so bad defensively this year, and I think that's probably where his minutes are going to go now. Whether or not the Rockets can can manage to sustain an injury, that's really where this Demo contract, uh, where Demo can become a luxury. Because if if Nene goes down or if Capella goes down, the Rockets aren't some big like they're in some deep if if they if they go down. And so that's really where uh, Demo becomes not only an, uh, a luxury but a necessity. Now. I'm going to go ahead and ask you guys, would you match on that contract? And do you think the Rockets are going to match on that contract? I say yes to both. I would, it's not, I mean, it's not an onerous contract. Uh, and, you know, like I said, you can, you can stretch it out. I think it's not hard to get out from underneath if you have to. And I think more importantly, it makes, uh, it lets you actually sell high in some other players when there's a shot. And the more versatility you have, the better. I would, I would do it. And I think they're probably going to. Um, yeah, I initially thought that they wouldn't and and shouldn't because with the way that they've opened the season up, um, you know, they beat the Spurs in San Antonio, they beat the the Warriors uh in Oakland. Um, you know, they they've been a fun team. The, they seem to have their swagger back. Um, they they look appealing to free agents. But um, <clears throat> you know, after especially with Nene missing the past two games, I it immediately makes me wonder, um, you know, how many times this year that something like that's going to happen, uh, and and you know the the injury concerns do worry me. Now I don't, I think he's fine right now, but um, you know, having that depth and and actually, I think that having Nene playing less minutes and coming in for you know uh, giving more in less minutes um, could certainly benefit the Rockets. So I do think that they that they should and will match. Um, and like Forrest said, you know, if you're going to be upgrading um, at some point with another star, then more than likely it's going to be one of those positions that you can trade, such as a, you know, Corey Brewer, Trevor Reza, Patrick Beverly. Um, so, so yeah, I think they, they should and, and will match. Yeah, and so I've been asked about this on Twitter a whole bunch of times, and my answer is like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I would or not. And if you were to ask me a gun to the head, like, would you match on this contract? I'd probably say no, because let's just say theoretically they get a commitment from, let's say, Gordon Hayward, because I know he's a free agent this summer. If you get a commitment from Gordon Hayward this summer and you need to clear cap space immediately, where are you, who are you going to clear, right? Who, who are you going to trade? And you can't trade Demo because, again, he has that no trade clause. He has to be um, asked ahead of time where he's going to be traded and if he wants to be traded. So 
that's that's a hurdle you have to jump over. And again, that Corey Brewer contract is still on the books. Uh, that awful, awful Corey Brewer contract. Um, and we and that's that's just a contract that teams aren't going to be willing to take on. And so you get in this situation where you have a free agent that wants to come to you, but you have no space, and that makes you a really, really it puts you in a really like precarious situation going forward because you you don't want to become the Blazers, right? You don't want to become one of these teams are one of the highest payrolls in the NBA and probably only one superstar, right? You, you want to have uh, flexibility to add more than one and you want you don't want to just commit a lot of money to the, all these role players. I don't know. And if you ask me straight up, I would probably lean more towards they shouldn't match. Uh, and I, I'd probably... Um, and again, that's not to say the Rockets aren't a better team with Demo. Uh, I do think the Rockets are going to be... are probably much better with Demo on the floor. But I just think... Man, that flexibility and knowing de- knowing the way Mori operates, like we've seen this, like we saw this with Chandler Parsons, we've seen this with other restricted free agents in the past with the Rockets. The Rockets just don't like giving up flexibility, and so I think that's gonna be going, that's gonna be something to pay attention to going forward. Um, so the Rockets won three out of their last four games this week, and they ended their long five-game road trip road trip in successful fashion. Uh, the team has yet to lose two games in a row this season, which I think is really, really encouraging moving forward because this team responds well from loss, well to losses. Like, like this team gets right back up. Like that's different from last year's Rockets team in that when they when they lost uh, a game, it just seemed like they'd go into this death spiral. Uh, they didn't lose like yeah, they didn't respond well to losses or to wins last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they they were just like terrible. Like the culture was so bad with this team last year, and I don't think you can really deny that. Like when once they lost a game, they'd go into this tailspin where they lose like three or four more in a row. And this year, they have yet to lose two in a row again. Like I said, and I just think the Rockets are like surprisingly really good this season and I, I and much better than what I thought they'd be I thought they'd be a 45 to 51 team and I, I actually talked to you about this earlier this year Forrest um you actually were much higher on the Rockets than me you thought 50 wins was like a baseline like you thought they were guaranteed to win 50 games um are they right around where you thought they'd be this season because we're at that 20 game mark uh, the 20 game mark is w- where I like demarcate what a small sample size is anymore. Cause I don't think you can call this a small sample size anymore. We're a quarter of the way into the season. So is this kind of where you guys expected them to be at this season? This is uh, literally about exactly where I expected them to be. Actually, uh, as long as health holds up, I mean, health has held up so far for the most part. And so they're pretty much right on target. Uh, I, I actually <laughs> I have a spreadsheet where I'm keeping track of expected wins and losses and stuff because I'm a colossal nerd. But uh, they're yeah they're I thought they were gonna beat the spreadsheet by about like a game or two by now, and that's pretty much right where they're at. So uh, I I think this is a 50 win team barring health issues, and I'm very happy so far that they look like that. Yeah, and that's what I've said all along is, I mean, given health, that was my prediction before the before the season started, you know, was uh, given health, they can win 50 or more games. And, um, you know, it's really crazy because if you really look at some of their losses, like the first game against the Lakers, the Lakers hit 12 out of 15 shots where a, a defender was within two feet of them. That's ridiculous. Um, and then the Cavs game, the Cavs went nuts and just hit everything, even contested shots. And then, um, the Jazz the other day, 
Um, you know, they they hit every it seemed seemingly every shot they took. So we, I mean, the 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 Rockets could even be in better better um, standings right now had some of those um, hot shooting nights not happened. And and of course you can you can chalk some of that up to to the Rockets defense, but um, some of those shots were very very well contested. Um, so the, the, the Rockets are, I want to say they're, they're ahead of my expectation, but really this is kind of where, where I expected them to be there. They have the, they have, I mean, one of the most elite offenses, um, in the league right now, they're, they're like, they're first in three point attempts. Um, they're first in, uh, three points made. Um, they're like fourth in three point three point percentage, second in two point percentage. I mean, they just hit shots yeah and i think um the rockets are kind of right where i thought they'd be offensively defensively i thought they'd be a little bit better than this i'll be honest i thought they'd be like a a middling defense but right now they're 26 in in the nba in defense so i i think i think all of us are probably surprised by that fact and and this this year is kind of a weird year for offense because the offenses in the nba are so exceedingly high that the rockets are fourth in the nba no they're third in the nba in offenses and normally uh their offensive rating that's good for first in the league for like the last 4 or 5 years like the 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 offenses in the nba today are just so damn good that the rockets are actually like third and they should be first in any normal year it's just this year the the warriors and and raptors decided just to be really really good and so uh the rockets have that hurdle to go over now as far as what i expected them going into the season i thought they'd be around a 50 like my like when i was asked to make a prediction i said a bit flat 50 right cuz if you look at the the offenses in the last 10 years every top 5 offense has managed to win 50 games and that's a stat that I've kind of railed on all of off season. And so I think they're probably going to, I think they're, they're, they're primed to hit a little bit of a rough stretch somewhere in the near future. I, I don't think they're going to win like 54 games. I get like what they're on track to win right now. They're, they're on track to win like 53. And I think they're probably going to win around like 50 to 52. And so I think they're going to hit a little bit of a rough stretch here. Um, they do have a long stretch at ho- of home games here. My biggest surprise for the Rockets is this last, this last stretch of two games against the Warriors and Nuggets, because I just didn't think they'd win any of those games. Like against the Warriors, obviously the the Warriors are the best team in the NBA, and it's not even close. And I didn't I didn't think that the that the Rockets stood a chance, and yet they managed to out to outscore the hell out of the Warriors and stay in stay in the match for two overtime games. What were your biggest takeaways from that game? Uh, they're mad as hell on trying to prove things to people this year. Just what I was hoping for in the, in the offseason, that they would come out just royally pissed at everybody. Everyone denigrating them all offseason, all last season. Like, they clearly wanted to make a statement in that Warriors game. They came out swinging in the highest order, and they popped the Warriors right in the mouth. And by the way, the Warriors did not look very happy about that, because that's a real rivalry, and both those teams really hate each other. And for the first time in, like, three years, the Rockets actually came out ahead and we're able to make a statement to the Warriors. So this is a huge confidence boost. Like I think they were waiting for this game. I think they had this one circled on the calendar for a while, and they've been looking forward to it. Like I wouldn't be surprised at the Jazz game, their performance was to some degree because they were looking past it. But I don't know, not not to get too uh too juiced up on the uh on the, the Rockets hype, but I think they're an even more dangerous team now. Like they needed to prove to themselves and everyone else that they can actually take out top teams, and they've looked killer. Like in the last two games, like in that Denver game, 
they came out angry. They came out murderous. It was it was damn impressive. I think my biggest takeaway so far um, is Sam Decker uh, over you know from those two games. So in those two games, he is playing 27 minutes a game, which he's at 18 on the on the season. So playing you know significantly more minutes, um, and he's he's averaging here he averaged 14 points, one and a half steals, six rebounds um, on 50 percent shooting, and he. Uh, he, he, you know, he was able to to not stop KD, but certainly, you know, in that fourth quarter and overtime, um, he he made him work a lot. And um, obviously, Kevin Durant went, uh, you know, one of seven uh, in overtime. So, you know, Sam Decker has been um, a big, big revelation for me. And what's great about him is that he can play three or the four, um, and he he does both well. He really is like Rookie Parsons. Remember yeah, when yeah, Rookie Parsons exactly. looked like a super defensive Esther, and then we know how that went. So hopefully, hopefully yeah. Decker follows a different path where he keeps defending. Right, and I think I think that he's actually more geared towards towards being like that because he's not a playmaker. He's he's not a a creator of a, for other guys. He's only averaging you know like an assist a game, um, and and I, I think that lends more towards him being. Uh, kind of having a different role. He's not going to be expected to um, initiate offense and stuff like that. He's more, he's a catch and shoot guy and, and he might, you know, give you some defense. And he's actually shown, um, you know, some, some stones when it comes to getting down on the block. And, um, you know, I remember some, a couple of spin moves right at the, at the goal and, and dunking on people. And I mean, just this is basically his rookie season and he looks to be like a seasoned vet. Yeah, and you talk about coming out angry. I mean, this guy missed an entire season, and, and a lot of people, a lot of Rockets fans, just just didn't care about him anymore, right? Because we, it's like it's like the new toy, right? You get a new toy like KJ McDaniels, and you kind of forget about somebody you drafted, right? Or like Clint Capella, like everybody forgot about uh, like Sam Decker, and nobody really knew what to expect from him because he hadn't played an NBA game, right? Like a full NBA game without being without having injury concerns, right? And so he's he's healthy this year, and I'm 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 about to insert some train effects here because everybody's hopping aboard the, the Sam Decker bandwagon right now, and I and this is something I've been railing on all off season. I just think he's a good NBA player, man. I think he's he has a spot in this rotation. I think he's going to I think he's going to do well, and I think if you talk about the Rockets moving forward, this is a subject we talked about last on the last podcast with Chris Axman. I think I think. Sam Decker has a good chance to be a, a starting caliber player in this league. And I, and I'm not exaggerating when I say that. He's just been that damn good. Like he's, he's really smart. He understands angles. Like he knows where to be on the court at all times. And he's a, he's a good finisher, which is pretty surprising. And for his, for his length, he's a good defender because if you lose a step on him, like if he loses a step on defense, his length makes up for so much on the defensive end. And I think. Going forward, that's a huge contract for the Rockets to have. Like, he's so cheap for the Rockets. And if the Rockets were to part ways with, let's just say, a Trevor Ariza, like if they wanted to make a trade for, uh, trade away Trevor Ariza to like a contender, uh, to clear cap space, like you can slot in Sam Decker right there at that starting small forward position. Or hell, even at the starting power forward position, if you wanted to stretch Ryan Anderson, right? Like he's that damn good and he's so damn versatile. And, Again, like the the way the Ro- the Rockets have been able to, I, I think I have to start commending the Rockets on the way they find these guys late in the first round. Like, are you okay? 
Something fell over. It's okay. I'm all right. I'll live. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, we have to start, like, commending the way the the Rockets find these guys in the late first round and, like, early, early second. Like, they, like, the Rockets have a history now with these guys, like Clint Capella, Sam Decker, Chandler Parsons. Harrell's looking pretty good. Like, Montrez Harrell, like, I think in the, in the Golden State game, he looked really, really good. And I think, that that's some that's something um we have to commend Rio Grande Valley man those guys are doing a damn good job in the D League system for the Rockets and here I'm gonna go ahead and read some losses for the Rockets this season they've lost to, to obviously the Lakers they've lost to the Cavs they lost to the Hawks they've lost to the Spurs they've lost to the Oklahoma City Thunder they've lost to the Raptors they've lost to the Jazz these are all perennial playoff teams like and these are all, like right now at, as of this moment these if you were to end the season right now these guys will all be in the playoffs they haven't lost to a team that's been bad right they've lost to real like legit teams and that's something like the Rockets like underestimated a lot of teams last year like they would lose games to the Sixers to the Magic like teams that are clearly beneath their tier and they would just lose games especially like late in games they just didn't close games well last year and this year they're doing a little much better job at that i think they still need to get better at moving the ball because i think in that golden state game um (laughs) yeah 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 they that the ball stuck a lot in harden's hands and like that was just it made for really really hard offense to watch and they got bailed out by a lot of air going threes but if they can figure out a way to get more ball movement and a lot of this is fatigue right like you can only play that style for three quarters and just and sustain that for so long right and so far the rockets are starting off quarters like the best in the nba they're the best in the nba in first quarter offenses so i think they can sustain being uh kind of off in the fourth quarter for a little bit but i I think going forward that's something they need to improve on but yeah there's a lot of positive signs for this team and that's I didn't expect they'd be this good I'll be honest with you, I, I didn't expect they'd be this good to start the season especially considering the Beverly injury like they they would stand at the Beverly injury and now with Beverly back like Beverly has like the highest plus minus in all their recent games and he's just such a positive to the bench unit like replacing Tyler Ennis with Patrick Beverly is like night and day it's not fair, like, no, it's yeah. not fair to go do that <laughs> yeah and you could have, I mean, you could have conceivably come into this, this road trip and said the Rockets could finish two and three because, you know, you've got, um, games at Utah, at Golden State, at Portland, uh, and then the back to back with Denver. And they come out four and one and their wins, they've got a 13 point win, a 16 point win, an 18 point win on a back to back after playing Golden State. I mean, you know, they showed some serious stones in this, in this road trip. No, they've they've definitely been like a they're definitely in a crucible. <laughs> Their early schedule with all these road trips, two five game road trips in the first twenty games, that's ridiculously brutal. Like initially, we didn't know, for instance, that the Lakers were actually pretty good, so that loss didn't look very good. In retrospect, their whole season's actually been pretty impressive. I think they're still getting it together. They're still learning, and they're still and they're still gelling, which is kind of scary. Uh, I think, as it turns out, James Harden is better than anybody thought he was, and we've been really high on Harden. I, I looked up a stat today, and the Rockets with Harden on the floor are the second best offense of all time. Like, the, the, <laughs> that's the, 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 when I say second best, like if it were, if not for this for this year's Warriors, they'd be the first best offense of all time. That's how damn good they've been. And without Harden, they're like twenty sixth in the NBA this year in offense. You think Harden's having a bad game? 
and all of a sudden he's got a triple double and the Rockets are up 13. It's like, what in the world's going yeah, on? And he's, I think that's a good point you made there because he's finding ways to be effective when he's not shooting the ball well, right? Like the, the amount of passing he's doing, like he's finding ways to, again, be a positive for this team when he's not shooting the ball well. And I think that's a huge thing that Harden just didn't have last year. And, and it helps to have those shooters around him to actually make those shots when he makes a you know ridiculously great pass. And and that's another reason that going back to the uh, the cap situation, that I don't I don't like the idea of trying to trade Ryan Anderson later if you need cap space. Um, unless it's maybe in that third year or fourth year of that contract, because he's just so valuable to this team. I mean, sure. I mean... It, I'd say if you if you get an offer for like Willie Cauley Stein from the Kings uh, for like Ryan Anderson, like it, right, if you right. could trick the the Kings into taking some stupid offer, like you, you do that in a heartbeat. But again, like the 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 I think you made a good point though with the shooting because the Rockets are fourth in the league in three point shooting. They're like thirty eight percent. Like th- that's what they're averaging on the scene, like thirty seven to thirty eight percent on from three from the three point line, and that's an above average shooter in the NBA, and they're doing that as a team, like which is cra- which is pretty crazy, <laughs> um, and like that that starts with, with the additions they made this off season and the improvements that like guys like Trevor Ariza, like Trevor Ariza shooting the ball well this year, and that's something he didn't do last year. Like he, he's having a bounce back year, like on both ends of the floor. Like I see Trevor Ariza diving for loose balls now. And I didn't see him do that last year. And that's like, I'm really encouraged by the way this team is, is like going in terms of a culture standpoint. And if they can keep this up, like we're going to have like, like, I think this is going to be like a serious, like free agent destination for somebody this off season. Like if you can find a disgruntled superstar at the end of the year that, that just wants to change the scenery, I think the Rockets are going to be one of those teams that are going to be in the market for um, a serious overhaul. Their, their culture is amazing right now, and I'm going to lay out something really weird. Uh, I I think that this season, James Harden has become the basketball Werner Herzog, which is probably the weirdest sentence I've ever said, but I'm going to explain what I mean by that. At this point, I think that he's been so maligned and has like and doesn't care anymore that now he just seems to... Well, all right, so last season, he was like a desperate man trying to win despite everything going wrong. And it just was a horrible downward spiral. Uh, this year, he's out there, and he's just like he's just creating things to create them. As you said, he finds a way to become useful. Uh, people have talked about his incredible court vision and his imagination out there, and it's true. He's some kind of bizarre basketball genius. He can see angles and possibilities that every other, you know, almost every other player cannot see out there. So it almost seems like he's just having an amazing time out there, seeing what kind of crazy offense he can build. So it's like he's it's like he's Werner Herzog just making a making a movie in a new genre just to see if he can do it. <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't all he cares about is just trying to like build the best offense in history. So some kind of strange like intellectual pursuit in his bizarre bearded head. He's he's Donald Glover with his with his most recent albums. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's just like a a, a real uh, it's an expression of virtuosity for no other reason than its own purpose, which is a magnificent to yeah. watch. I'm having an amazing time with this. It's otherworldly to see him do yeah, this. Yeah, like Harden is like so fun to watch this year. Like it, it's so like I, I know this is like kind of a stupid conversation, but like like Hard like Harden last year was really really just like impossible to watch because he'd he'd slow the ball down. He'd um he'd, he'd go for an isolation, which was probably the be- the Rockets' best op- option on offense. And now he uh, he calls for a high screen and roll, and there's endless shooters everywhere and you have a down you have a downwards rolling clint capella which you didn't have last year in dwight howard like clint capella is someone like 
Clint Capella has just been so damn good, like, these past 10 games. Like, he's starting to get, find his, like, be comfortable in his own skin. He wasn't that great in the Warriors, in, in that Warriors game, but in every other game since, like, he, he's been so damn good at just knowing his role and, like, rolling to the basket. And that's something you didn't have last year in Dwight Howard. And I think, like, having Harden just do this is just, like, again, like you said, he's just a basketball genius. Like, I didn't know how smart he was, like, on, on on offense until this year like i i knew he was a very very good offensive player but i think there's a case to be made like he's having one of the best offensive seasons of all time like that and that's not an overstatement like as i said like with the, the rockets on the with harden on the floor are one of the best offenses of all time and that's incredible and, and like when he's when he rests the rockets go down to 26th and like, like he's finding way. Like when, when, when the rock, when he's shooting well, like late in games, he's fine. Like, like you remember in the in the Warriors game where in the fourth quarter it might have been overtime or double overtime. I can't remember, but there was a play where he 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 got Steph Curry switched onto him, right? And so he managed to get past Steph Curry, and the double and the, the help came, right? And he found a cutting Sam Decker open for a layup. I didn't even see that pass. Like I didn't even see that pass develop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It looked like a it looked like a turnover, yeah. but it wasn't. <laughs> like I didn't I didn't even see that pass develop. And like normally I'm pretty good at finding when guys are open. And just, and Harden just like he sees things like two or three plays before they develop. And we're starting to see like how brilliant this guy is. Like like uh, we were having a conversation at at the beginning of the season, right? Like is Harden going to lead lead more to the Steve Nash side, or is he going to lead more towards the Carmelo Anthony side in terms of dealing with Mike D'Antoni? And I think it's a combination of both in terms of skill set. And he's probably leaning more towards like the Steve Nash side in terms of gelling well. Like this is probably like the second best player Mike D'Antoni's ever coached. And I don't think it's an overstatement. Like in terms of like, like getting along in a system. Like that's insane. Like, like Mike D'Antoni's been coaching for like 15 years and this is, and he's finally found somebody since Steve Nash to like, get along well in his system. And I think it's just really, really fun to watch. And like, I'm, I'm ha- <laughs> can- go ahead. They can make their masterpiece together. Yeah. <laughs> like this is like I I remember having a conversation with Paul um at Rocket Intellects on Twitter. Um we were on a podcast earlier this year and we were talking about like whether or not this was the right hire for the Rockets. And I think we I think all of Rockets Twitter, we all wanted a defensive guy, right? We all wanted Frank Vogel, we all wanted Dave Yeager, we all wanted Jeff Van Gundy, right? That's who we wanted this offseason. And I think getting Mike D'Antoni might have been like like in terms of situations, is there a case to be made that that Mike D'Antoni was the second best hire this offseason like in terms of coach hirings? Because aside from Tom Thibodeau, I can't find any situation that's working out better for a new coach this year other than Mike D'Antoni. I think that I think I think D'Antoni has a serious case for coach of the year, especially if the Rockets can manage to get that fourth seat. Um, I mean, maybe even the third. If they can get the third, he's he's got to be the you know the front runner for um, coach of the year. But um, he's just got the entire team bought in. Uh, you know, everybody everybody seems to be having fun. Everybody um, is buying in offensively, and and it's like you know Capella uh, last year totaled two point four win shares, uh, offensive win shares, and he's already at half of that. You know, twenty games into the season, um, so it's like. You know, the whole team is just is just having a blast with this guy. I'm going to put it out there that if that team, if the Rockets manage to get the third seed in the West, not only is uh, D'Antoni the, the easy frontrunner for Coach of the Year, 
I think James Harden becomes a shoe in for MVP. Like their record, I think, is the number one thing that's going to determine whether or not James Harden, like what his eligibility is for MVP. If he, if they're the fourth seed with like 50 plus wins, he has a real shot at it. But if they make the three seed, if they beat one of the Clippers, Spurs, or Warriors in the regular season record, I think there's no question. I think the narrative is going to be too strong at that point. Yeah, I mean, like the biggest thing is like how many games are the Rockets going to win, right? Like, like how many games are they going to end up winning at the end of the season? And if they win around that 52 game mark, like we were speculating earlier in the podcast, I think there's a case to be made, right? And like again, it's going to be really tough for Harden because there's so many superstars having career years this this year. Like if you like, <laughs> no kidding. Like if you look at Russ, like Russ, I I know I'm really hard on Russ, but like Russ has been so good for the Thunder this year, and that triple double thing is really amazing. Uh, what what he's doing in Oklahoma City, um, and guys like LeBron, like LeBron's having a career high in assists this year. Which is pretty insane because he's always been a really good passer and he's having averaging like what eight or nine assists per game this year. And uh guys like um like Steph, Steph is still good this year. Like Steph is really, really good this year. And 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 they have somebody on that team that's better than him, like this year, like in Kevin Durant. Like and so it's gonna be really tough. Again, like Harden is battling narrative and he's battling history, right? Because there hasn't been a, a an MVP in the past, like since the nineteen eighties. Uh, that that hasn't been a, a top three seed, right? I think the last one was like probably Oscar Robinson, it, um, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, it's been a long time since an MVP has not been a top three seed. So if he does get that top three seed, I think I think his case does uh, improve. And even if he does, if he doesn't win MVP this year, if he's like top three in MVP rating, and superstars around the league start to take notice of how fun it is playing in this Rocket system, I think it's still the Rockets still end up on the positive, right? Like if if. If Harden improves his reputation from where he was last year, like if he, if he makes first team all NBA, which I don't think is a question this year, but if he makes first team all NBA and like, compared to last year where he didn't even make an all NBA team and he's probably like top three in MVP voting and everybody notices how fun the Rockets are. Cause I mean, you hear from national reporters all the time and you can just see in their, in the Rockets faces on the bench, like, like, this team is really fun to play for. And you could tell, like, like if you look at Kyle Wilcher on the bench, like that guy doesn't play a damn minute and he's have, Oh, I love yeah, Kyle. He, he, like he doesn't play a damn minute, and he doesn't give a damn. Like he he does he does not care. He's having so much. He's the first guy throwing towels <laughs> up and celebrating. And, he's uh, he's uh, making uh, like six hundred grand a year, or whatever. He's doing yeah. great. <laughs> he's having a great time. Yeah, it, like guys like that, like like guys at the end of the bench that don't even play, they're having fun. Like you, you're seeing like people on this on the bench like like these crazy bench celebrations and we didn't see that from the Rockets last year right the the biggest encapsulation of the Rockets last year was that one was that one vine when Harden made that game winner against the Warriors and, and you looked at Dwight Howard and he was just like like forcefully clapping like god damn I gotta cancel my vacation plans now right like like, like that was the Rockets last year and this year you look at guys like they just love playing and I think it's gonna bode out well for the Rockets going forward the reason, the reason that I think that it's, uh, I think the three seed is probably unlikely, but the reason I think that the four seed is likely, um, and, and, and I would even consider them, you know, more of a favorite to get the four seed is because I don't think that, that, uh, Oklahoma City is going to continue winning these close games <laughs> the way that they have been. Uh, the Grizzlies are now without Mike Conley. Um, uh, the Trailblazers are not nearly as good as anybody thought they were going to be. The Jazz are really great defensively, but can't score the ball. Um, except and, once. And, yeah, except against us, of course. Uh, everybody scores against us. So. <laughs> um, and <clears throat> so I, I just think that, that the bottom half of the West um, really, you know, 
with the way the injuries have played out and things like that, I just think that it's a lot more shaky down there. And I feel like the Rockets, as long as they're healthy, can be, I mean, easily that number four seed and, and maybe even challenge the Clippers for the three. That's, I mean, it's a big asterisk, but I think that's exactly right, that it's theirs to lose. Uh, people are really hot in the Jazz, but I I mean, let's see them catch up. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, really exactly. where it comes down to. Like, until further notice, I think the Rockets are a better team than the Jazz. They're the only team that's going to compete with them, in my opinion. Yeah, and I would agree. And um, this gets into a conversation I wanted to have with, uh, with you, Forrest, because you mentioned earlier in the podcast, you've been kind of tracking how much they'd succeed compared to relative to expectations, right? And so... I want to. I wanted to ask you: Do you think it's a good thing if they overachieve this year? Because if you remember in 2014, 15, uh, when the Rockets overachieved their point differential by like six games, like they were supposed to win 50 games last in like 2014, 15, and they won 56. So, do you think it's a good thing if they have a season like that again? Uh, no. Overachieving is bad. Uh, what like exceeding being better than expected is what you want to do. Like, for players to come out and be better, for the team to have a better point differential than expected, that's good. Uh, but massively overwinning your, uh, your point differential is, in fact, a bad thing, as we've seen from what's happened to the Rockets a couple and of years ago. And the Blazers ago. this year. And now look at the yeah, Blazers, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, overachieving is actually kind of poisonous unless you can keep that forward momentum going. Uh, if they overachieve a bit, then they pick up a star. That's actually fine. Uh, but they have to be able to keep that forward momentum. Because once you're going forward, going backwards feels like losing. Uh, so, is Evan Turner the worst contract in basketball right now? <laughs> oh man, I'm so glad. Oh, I'm so glad that he's signed into that contract. I'm so glad it's in Portland of all places. This is like every time I think about point nine seconds, I just think about Evan Turner and everything. <laughs> <laughs> and like, there's a lot of co- there's a lot of bad contracts like in contention for the worst contract. Like Joakim Noah. Joakim Noah has been so bad for the Knicks. Yeah, Brutal. and so like I think the Rockets like compared to what they uh how their players are performing, they actually signed pretty good contracts. Now whether or not Ryan Anderson and guys like Eric Gordon are gonna maintain that level of play for the full length of their contract, that's still to be determined. Um, and I agree with you, Forrest. I think overachieving is a bad thing. Like I, I think the Rockets they should strive. I mean, they as an organization they should strive to win every every game, obviously, but. I think they should be contempt with winning 50 to 52 games or probably even maybe even less than that. Like if they win 48 to 49 games, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's that's a pretty good indication of where you're at. And I think it's smart to to have realistic expectations. Like if the Rockets go out and they try to retain guys like like, like, like they did in, in 20, again, like 2014, 15 is the best example. Like they retained Corey Brewer and I don't think they should have maintained that contract. And like they try, they tried to bring the band back together when they really should have tried to upgrade everything they could. Right. And I think, I think if the Rockets just win around that 45 to 50 game mark, and if they get to 52, I think that's acceptable. I think they're in a good position going forward to attract stars and ha- also have a realistic expectation where they're at. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's important to be really good and not necessarily to win a lot of games. Like, if you're not going to win a championship, which they're, they're not, it would take some truly momentous... There'd have to be some kind of weird, crazy event no one saw coming happen in sports, which, as we know, doesn't ever happen or in, or in the life outside of sports. <laughs> but uh, if they, like, they just need to get good, right? And the win totals don't really matter. Them, them gelling, them learning their offense, which they're doing every single day, them figuring out a way to play defense, them, uh, under my breath, 
figuring out which role players everyone loves are actually need to be flipped for something better. Uh, <laughs> four momentum is what matters here. Yeah. By the way, Sam Decker, love him all you can because he ain't going to be on this team in about three years. He's going to be flipped for something real good. Yeah. Uh, and like, I think it's probably a good thing that they're overachieving a little bit for guys like Corey Brewer, right? Like, Corey Brewer is playing way above his head right now. Like, he's not this good. Like, he, <laughs> he's playing himself out of Houston. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> and like, like, it, 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 the day he gets traded at the deadline, oh my God, I'm going to be in absolute euphoria the day he gets traded. Like, I'm, like, my, my, my Twitter's going to blow up that day. I'm going to be so happy the day he gets traded because, like, <laughs> That contract, oh my god! It, I, I, it, it's I wish I wish he was good. I like him, and I wish he was good. That's all. I have to yeah, that. the, and that's exactly where I'm like, 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 he's a really nice guy, Corey. You, you're not worth thirty two million dollars or whatever the hell you got paid this uh, in last year. Um, but yeah, um, I think correctly assessing where you're at is a good thing, and I think uh, what was the last thing you mentioned for us? Oh, uh, getting better and learning which role players and stuff you can flip for something better so you can keep improving. Yeah, and so I I, I think that's probably a smart thing to do. Like like guys like um as you mentioned Sam Decker like we really like him right now. We I don't know who God knows what team is going to be on in two years, and uh the same goes for guys like you know um like Ryan Anderson like like I I know you're a big fan Taylor of Ryan Anderson but dude th- this guy's going to be gone in two years I, I'm I'm No yeah I'm I'm fine as long as it's not this year or next year I'm fine because I think he's going to be be okay for the for the next you know this year and the rest uh, or the rest of this year and next year after that he's probably you know certainly going to be cap space Yeah and, and I I think that's probably the right thing to do for the Rockets it's probably a shrewd move um I probably look at this a little bit too cold and calculated like in terms of guys like Corey Brewer like they're probably good for the culture but man they're just really bad players and I think uh having really bad players getting overpaid on your team is just probably not a good thing for not a good recipe for success going forward and yeah I think that's a pretty good stopping point for the podcast actually subscribe to the podcast on iTunes Google Play and uh SoundCloud by the way for SoundCloud listeners this month will be the last month you can listen to us on SoundCloud because we're going to start we're going to start expanding where you can listen to us. So I think SoundCloud is probably going to go. If you can subscribe to us on Google Play, if you're an Android listener, subscribe to us on Google Play Music, because I think um, that's probably the best thing to do for to maintain our podcast going forward. Uh, we're going to still be uploading podcasts on SoundCloud for the next month. But after this month, it's done. We're going to cut the cord on SoundCloud and we're going to go straight to iTunes and Google Play. We're close to getting into Stitcher Radio, but and I'll give you an update on that when, when that happens. So yeah, give us a good rating on iTunes. Give us a good rating on iTunes because that helps people find the show and that helps us tremendously. And yeah, good night, guys. <laughs>